2: Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN
3: or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Tuesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented buy currency for all your equipment financing needs go currency Chris Schmidt Elijah Herbal Connor Clark still in his safe house numbers to get in at 466-3776 800-825-5865 those are the phone numbers you can dial up can also tweet at us at Hale Varsity Radio at HVarsity Radio is where you can tweet and also watch the show, ESPN Lincoln's Twitter handle and Facebook. And uh, chime in live, as always, on the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. You can get in touch with us at Schmidt underscore radio. At Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And Connor Clark is at C underscore Clark underscore. Twenty-seven And, Schmidty, I want to start the day off here with
1: an apology, not to, to cut you off, but I somehow missed the quarter zip memo. I'm not sure what's going on here. Is it, uh, yes, you got a full zip, I guess. But yeah, this, your, is a, this is a jacket. From your camera, it looks like a quarter zip. I know Connor's got the quarter zip. I completely missed the memo, so sorry about that. I, I, I pulled out the, the old hoodie you today. You just keep doing your rainbow hoodie. It's San
3: Francisco. There it is. Uh brought to me by a roommate after his trip to san francisco very kind of him i've never had a roommate bring me anything except empties (laughs) you need to get better roommates (laughs) that's what they said (laughs) so we'll uh recap the bludgeoning that was uh it rained in la and it poured on tcu that was a nightmare last night but hey some of us said uh a win and cover by georgia boy was i right uh, in the first half that thing was was handled. Uh, Mitch Sherman good to be with us. We'll chat with Mitch in about 20 minutes, get his take on things. The perspective of where Georgia ranks, the recency versus reality of their two year run really good uh, column by Bill Conley of ESPN and there's a handful of squads that have and done, gone and done the, the two-year run thing. And Nebraska's obviously up there with 94, 95. Where do they rank uh, in that run? I know where the state thinks they rank, or many Nebraska fans think they rank, but what's Bill Conley think? In hour two, Andy Markowski will get a up for Nebraska-Illinois. Big one for Nebraska basketball. Coach Hoiberg and company trying to protect home court. We'll hear a little bit from Fred as well, and pretty open uh the uh the number the uh the the show's pretty open if you want to participate and chime in Dion chimes in sounds like the latest news is harbaugh is sent to be the broncos head coach uh elijah are you a yang or naying that i wouldn't
1: be opposed um I personally was on the the Sean Payton or the Sean Payton bandwagon. There's and it absolutely
3: key. no way Sean Payton goes within a thousand feet of that Denver situation. You
1: say that. You <laughs> say that. But the Walmart family's
3: got money. That's fine. They don't have draft picks. They got money. They don't. They don't have draft picks. And Sean you might lose just, his
4: sanity while he's there too. Yeah, Sean, Sean, Payton, Sean Payton,
3: name your number. Name your years. You can come be the Denver Broncos. You can't head put coach. a price on misery.
1: Is that misery though? It is If they're offering him somewhere in the range of $15
3: million a year. He's already made it. I mean, quite frankly, with with these coaches, it's about opportunity and and winning and ego and championship and reckoning. Okay? That's what it is. You you can only burn so many millions. I mean, you move beyond money, money at some point. And John Payton's a guy that I don't know that him and Russell see, Wilson would would be a great see, fit, you, fit. You say that at some point you
1: move past money, but then you look at the uh, the live golfers. We thought they'd move past money. It was about it was about the prestige. It's about winning the Masters. Well, no, it's not. Whenever you get enough money, eventually those dollar signs flash in your eye, and you say, "This is not wealth for me, my wife, and my kids. This is wealth for my grandkids, for my great grandkids, and and you can stow it away." And at some point, I, I'm not saying that. That Sean Payton to Denver makes the most sense for Sean Payton, but the Broncos could have made it happen. I 100% believe that. I firmly believe that. Even though New Orleans wanted a first round pick. Okay, give away your first round pick this year. Don't have Did any you draft have... picks this year anyway. Yeah, anyway, yeah. tank next year. Go try to get Caleb Williams in two years and give Sean Payton Caleb Williams. There's, there's something you can do. Go sign a free agent. Want. Sean Payton, go go sign a free agent. With all that being said, I know when you get the college football playoff, I will say I wouldn't be 100% opposed to Harbaugh, but I don't quite understand the move for Harbaugh.
3: He, Everyone, wants to, Everyone he, wants to be NFL. Everyone wants to be NFL. I get he's that. Over, the, the move for Harbaugh is to get out of the NIL transfer deal. That's it. That's, you, people you, you, are running for the hills from college football. You talk about the cap hell and the draft pick hell that the Broncos are in. But no it's one, still not NIL, and it's still not the Ohio State deal. It's still not uh, who what 18-year-old what is going to take his ball and go home. The NFL is – Harbaugh – Scratched the itch where he's been able to return Michigan to, to dominance and prominence. Now he needs to go back to the NFL, theoretically, and go capture that Super Bowl because he got San Fran to a Super Bowl. They were yeah. right on the door there. Indy, as crazy as that owner is, he's familiar with him. He's played for him. He got him to an AFC championship. So, now, t- to your point with Denver, money is incredible. Don't get me wrong. But quite honestly... Sean's pretty particular with his quarterback. The Saints have a say in where he goes because of their situation. And what are you going to be able to draft and build? You can go get free agents. I, I, I get it. But as far as building through the draft, that's what has been – Denver, when they've been good, they've done well. With drafting, they've done well defensively. Uh, Terrell Davis comes to mind with where they were at with the offensive line way back in the day and having the Hall of Famer of, of, of Elway. So it's it's a situation where I just don't think the fit is there or the, the interest. There's probably better options. Would Carolina be a better option? I know they don't have a quarterback situation either, but they at least have picks.
1: Well... I just want to say here for our listeners at home: Can you tell we're already over the national championship game? from Yeah, last night? we haven't yeah, started our conversation. <laughs> we're talking. Other take things. a
3: drink, you. We have not started with college football.
1: Right? Well, there's the Harbaugh connection back to college Little football bit. there, and what, and what it does to the Big Ten. Should he leave?
3: Yeah. Well, it, it it, and Ryan Day as soon as he can get out and go to the NFL. I think I think that's the that's the next move for a lot of high level college coaches. Kirby Smart is the exception because he can still run his program with an iron fist. And he has just got a pool of dudes that come play. They are reloading right now. And how often do we talk, fellas, about needing to, to groom somebody to step in on the line of scrimmage? George's, you know, second line change on the defensive line, the freshman named Bear that eats lots of things. They're 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 incredible. And they they just reloaded from eight lost draft picks a year ago. They got a four hundred year old quarterback. They got a great run game, got a great tight end. It 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 looked great. And it was enhanced because of who they were playing. I think Georgia's really good. I think Georgia, this Georgia team could beat a lot of historical teams on a given night. I just don't think that it's gonna, well, it's clearly it's it's gonna go down as one of the worst teams to make a championship game, ever. I mean, this is you hate to say it about TCU because I mean they earned their way to the championship game, but when it came to 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 playing and 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 match toe to toe, Connor, it is straight up apples and oranges with the caliber of athlete and the depth of what you have, and and that's. That's you what could you can
4: tell. Have. TCU was nervous, I think, especially in that first. They, they start off with a false start, and I know both teams did, but Georgia recovered extremely well from the yeah. false start. And it took a couple of drives for TCU to get on the board. And then after that, I mean, I'm going to be honest, guys, the Bulls were on, so I kind of turned that game off at halftime. Oh, totally. <laughs> just to watch them lose, too. But, um, yeah, it was just a, a a manslaughter. I mean, I did not expect it to be that bad. Uh my prediction from yesterday looks terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, but we you gotta give Georgia it, a lot okay. of credit. I mean, those guys are just a bunch of dudes and it is it is crazy.
3: Yeah, and Dion and makes a good point here, uh, on the stream. You've gone from Bama to now the problem of of Georgia with the fact that they were knocking on the door, they've enjoyed the, the taste of said beer, right, Will Farrell. Once it hits your lips, it tastes so good. They are, with their schedule next year, they're going to be knocking on the door of the three-peat. For this Georgia team to surplant for me, what Nebraska's done, they're going to have to do what's not been done, and that's win three in a row. Well,
1: it's funny how five years ago we were talking about the Alabama
3: dominance. Man, I wish Alabama wasn't so dominant. Now it's Georgia? Now it's just shifted because <laughs> it's, it's, half, it's, it's half of Bama because they all – Got out of jail from Camp Sabin, mm-hmm. and they started their own program. I mean, seven it, years it, under Saban and, and, and then more years under him at LSU.
1: And it's a dynasty in terms of this two year run. I, I know we're gonna get here a little bit later in the show, but where it ranks in college football, it's up there. It's at least top three, if not number one and in terms of and that that could be my recency bias slipping in here, but in terms of the greatest two year run in college football history, Georgia was just about perfect.
3: They, 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 they dropped one. They weren't perfect, but they were just about perfect. They were what, a field goal away. Well, they got a rematch against Bama.
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. But what they lose that first game to uh, to Bama by? It was it was I a tight know.
3: game. It was probably within 7 to 10 points. But Then, but, they, then they got them and, t- and drilled them last year in the championship game. So I, I, I think what, what, and it's not Georgia's fault, but what deters this crowning of Georgia from a historical standpoint for me is who they beat. Not their fault, but it's a reality. TCU in hindsight, got the gift of their life against Michigan. Michigan helped with that. It's like Michigan had money on TCU when you look back <laughs> at the pick sixes and fumbles and all of that. Uh, the, the national really title game.
4: at the two-yard line. Yeah,
3: right? The, the national title game really was Ohio State and, and Georgia this season. If you want to go back to the, the teams that, that were even, because it was not even last night from a talent standpoint and a depth standpoint. It was Ohio State. You can maybe talk a little bit about Alabama, Georgia, and then Clemson, not quite what they were. But those are your four squads. Those are your four squads that look like each other from an athleticism and a depth standpoint and dudes that are just freak athletes. Everywhere else, there's a gap, and that gap showed up in the tune of 65-7. to Yeah,
1: and and when you look at that scoreline, it's reflective of how the game looked. The only way TCU was able to move that ball was that one drive where Georgia had a bust in coverage. and Big-time bust. I mean, everything Brad Edwards said yesterday if we talked to him on the show rang true. <laughs> he,
3: everything he, he's he said. like, yeah, this isn't going to be very
1: good. He said it's the, <laughs> oh, the, the biggest gap in competition we've seen since Alabama and Notre Dame. Well, it was actually bigger from what I saw last night, that talent gap. This, Much bigger. This was Nebraska-Miami bad gap wise T- tcu 100 unable to do anything with their defense to slow down georgia whatsoever six drives in the first half for georgia and six scoring drives five touchdowns one field goal i think the only three and out they got was the first possession of the second Third half quarter and i apologize because i did flip over to food network starting at the start of the fourth quarter we all checked out it was terrible <laughs> i mean on one hand it was disappointing that the, the season ended that way but on another hand you got to give credit to georgia just with what a juggernaut that Kirby smart has built what we're talking about. And they got more coming. It's, it's just a, a reload since as, as you mentioned, it feels like the two deep everywhere. Their entire team is going to be off to the NFL and is going to be longtime NFL mm-hmm. guys. That's what it feels like with this Georgia team. It feels like we're going to turn on Sunday night football in five years. And everyone's going to be whatever their name is, Georgia, Georgia. You've got Georgia. the recruiting
3: prowess of, of Kirby smart. That's been an engine under Saban with just, dis- going after that five-star talent, but developing the five-star talent like they're three-star, and then just loading up on the lines of scrimmage. Who's with us on the line? Dave horn? on the line. Dave, thanks for calling in. Thanks for hanging on. Go ahead. Dave, are you with us? Dave, call back. Apparently you got uh Tired of us blabbing, blabbing away. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll get to, to your calls sooner. Get email at chris at halevarsity.com. It, it is going to be a scary situation uh, with where it is. Now, good good story by Andy Staples with what is around the corner, and that is the college football playoff expanding to 12. And if you kind of reseed these things, you're going to have... You, you'll still have blowouts. Super Bowl has had blowouts. National championship games, there are blowouts. But hopefully... You can weed out the haves and the have-nots. Not, have and if a team like TCU gets to a championship game, they're going to be built to win a championship game, not just happy to be there because they got help and upset, uh, a team like Michigan. And I think Michigan gets drilled last night if they're playing. The only team that from a talent standpoint that could hang with what Georgia has and go after their weakness, which was typically their secondary this year, was Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Dave, back with us. Yes. Dave, thanks for calling back. Go ahead, man.
5: Yeah, you know, I agree with you guys. That game was ugly with a capital U. I I turned out like about, I don't know, five minutes into the third quarter because I didn't see a comeback coming. But I'm wondering, why is Michigan ranked ahead of Ohio State in the final poll? Because they beat I mean, him, like head to Ohio head. Ohio State was the only team— that gave Georgia a run for their money in the postseason.
3: I go with the head-to-head, Dave. And that head-to-head says Michigan smoked Ohio State. That's why they're ranked at the final poll ahead of them. I will give some... uh, And if we're going to go with...
4: Michigan was in a a conference championship game. I mean, I can't forget that part. I mean, obviously, that matters as much as anything, but... The fact that Michigan was playing for a conference championship in Ohio State 1 also helps that number two versus number four, whatever debate that you want to have between those two teams.
1: I do think it's funny. There were a couple of AP voters that uh, put Michigan as number two in their poll this year despite the fact they lost to TCU, and I give credit to those AP voters for being right. <laughs> yeah, they may have lost TCU head-to-head, but they gifted that game. Michigan was better no, than TCU, and so we all bad. saw it last was night. was so bad.
3: I mean, it was great drama last weekend, but you had to pay the piper. And you did last night, and I was sitting with our old friend Bill Dolman, and he's like, someone better check the tall buildings in L.A. so all the ABC and ESPN executives aren't uh, trying to parachute without a parachute. (laughs) We'll hear from Mitch Sherman, his take on where Georgia ranks. Eddie Markowski, Husker Basketball, coming up to next hour.
2: Chime in, 402 espn or email the show, Chris, at HaleVarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio.
3: Back into it, Hail Varsity Radio, we're presented by Currency. We say hi to Mitch Sherman with The Athletic and Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, how you doing?
0: Chris, I'm good. How are you?
3: We're good. Uh, we're we're doing fine. We're a little sad college football's over, but probably not as sad as 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 TCU fans still, you know, uh, 12 15 hours later. There may not be enough $19 modello to get through that beat down last night.
0: Yeah, I don't know that we want college football to go on for another week or two after what we saw last night. I wouldn't say it's a fitting end because it's not a fitting end to the season. But at the end of that, uh, Georgia put the rest of the nation out of its misery.
3: <laughs> it was just uh, just a boat race. and you know the build up to this was the uh, the little engine that could and and you know the the TCU and despite their recruiting base the the three star developmental program versus Georgia and all their four star and five star and it just it wasn't a fair fight but Mitch you've seen a lot of college football where where do you put this Georgia team historically with what they've done, do they wow you in that same breath as, okay, Vince Young's Texas squad, some of the Nebraska squads, uh, the the Miami team? I mean, they've got the the title right now for largest margin of victory.
0: Yeah, those three that you mentioned, I mean, the Nebraska dynasty, the 01 Miami team, the 05 Texas team, those are all in my conversation. You know, we, we sometimes – Uh, uh, fall victim to the recency bias and people will talk about 2018 Clemson and 2019 LSU they were both 15 and 0 and those are those are the only teams that 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 finished 15 and 0 uh, before last night with Georgia Um, you know the last two came out of the SEC which uh, you know I think is the toughest gauntlet to go through Um, as 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 strong as you know, Nebraska's conference schedule was in the 90s and in the 70s when the Huskers won championships. Um, as difficult as as things were for Texas to get through the Big 12 back in 05. You know, I, I think we can, most people agree that what LSU and, and Georgia did in these these last few years is a tougher run through the thing and then to have to go through a two-game postseason also is, is something different. Um, I don't know if I put them quite on the category of 19 LSU. I was having a conversation about that last night during the game um, with a coworker, and we'll see. You know, time, I guess, is going to tell on some of this stuff. I mean, yeah, you want to judge them entirely for what they did in college, but no, I think I, I probably think a little bit more highly of 2019 LSU, seeing Joe Burrow and, and Jamar Chase – Um, and, and (laughs) Justin Jefferson and others, I should probably mention Jefferson first, uh, and you're okay.
3: You've got got choices.
0: (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of ridiculous that team, especially on the offensive side. So I, they're, they're in the conversation for sure. Um, I don't think that they have that quarterback and I, I mean, Hey, he's great. He's amazing. I mean, he was the story of the night. Um, I don't think I – I think you could put other players – I would get crucified by Georgia fans, I'm sure, for saying this. I think you can put other players in, in that spot, and as long as they have the right makeup, and his makeup is A-plus, um, they could also engineer that ship. Um, but, uh, yes, that's invented you – know, he's the man of the hour and uh you know congrats to him and you know, I know he's he's older than half of the NFL quarterbacks but whatever mm-hmm. he he won it and won it one back to back <laughs> so he's in the same breath with Tommy Frazier and and others
3: Mitch Sherman with us from the Athletic Hale Varsity Radio Mitch uh I want to talk a little bit here about Nebraska we we had a chance to see each other last Friday at the presser meeting uh with uh, the coordinators Centerfield and, and coach White and they wowed, but just overall, right now, what what's a what's a good word to describe this Nebraska staff that the coach rules put together? What's what's a word? And as I as I add a second part to this question, just the topic of Texas, right? TCU just played for a championship. Baylor's been decent. Tech is playing good ball. Texas is supposed to be. You know, in the playoff, based on what they're spending and who they get, but but how vulnerable is that state right now uh, for for Nebraska and others to to go make make some recruiting hay?
0: Well, Nebraska wants to be Texas's Big Ten team. That's the that's the the rally cry as the Husker coaches get back get back to Lincoln this week and and head out on the road um, by the end of the week. You know, you're going to see three, maybe four Nebraska assistant coaches in the state of Texas on Friday, Thursday or Friday. I think it's Friday when the doors open back up for uh, the January um, recruiting travel as they start to work on, will continue to work on the 2024 cycle and, and, you know, maybe put a couple finishing touches on 2023, depending on what happens in the port of portal. Nebraska got Billy Kemp, the wide receiver from Virginia, Last night, which is a big addition, but he's a one-year guy, so you know you're looking to the future beyond 2023, and and you know there's needs that that may yet still be filled by a signee and or two in February. Texas is, um you know, Nebraska's legitimacy in the state of Texas, in the eyes of Texas high schoolers, and just the establishment of of high school football and college football in the state of Texas uh, has grown tremendously. I wouldn't say that Nebraska had a big problem. It's just that in the past, or or maybe you could look at it that way. It's just that they were somewhat forgotten um, over, over the past decade. Yeah. There were players that came out of Texas to Nebraska, but Texas sends players all over the country. There are so many great prospects that come out of that state Um, with, with, with Matt rule because of his ties in Texas. And he, and you know, he has a protege as the head coach at Texas tech and Joey McGuire. He has Joey McGuire's son um, soon to be announced Garrett McGuire on his staff who, is going to recruit in central Texas. He's got Bob Wager, who is a legend in the state of Texas, um, just having recently stepped down at Arlington Martin, a a power school in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. He'll go in and recruit that area. I believe Terrence Knighton, D-line coach, is going to have um, some work to do, some, you know, an area in the state of Texas that he helps recruit along with other areas. So um, they they are – they are looking to be a force in recruiting in the state of Texas. And, you know, you're not going to go head to head with Texas and Texas AM and and win a bunch of battles, but there are players there that they can find and that they will find who fit the profile that, that Matt rule and the staff want to bring to Nebraska.
3: Mitch Sherman with a sale varsity radio Mitch with the athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. It's where you follow him. Some thoughts here as it gets closer to winter conditioning time. And Mitch mentioned the, Recruiting uh, that, that's going to take place and ramp back up uh, end of the week. And I want to go to Dylan Raiola. Uh, social media was all over him, at least Nebraska fans. Not in a negative way, but just the noticing that, hey, Dylan's at the national title game. You have uh, Nebraska and the family ties, of course. But, you know, Georgia's, Georgia's been able to really kind of pick who they want at quarterback, Mitch, in the recruiting game. And uh, the, the story of, of Bennett is, is impressive, but he wasn't necessarily, you know, Georgia's first, second, or third choice, comparatively speaking. Uh, let's, let's talk about Raiola here and, and that race for, for 2024 uh, with, uh, with Nebraska being a factor in that race.
0: Yeah, Nebraska's definitely a factor. And, you know, the, one thing about the Raiolas is they're going to travel. Uh, you're going to see the as go, go places, and that's been the case for Dylan, and it'll be the case for Dayton, his younger brother, as they progress through high school. You know, Dylan's now just halfway through. Um, uh, well, no, he'll be a senior next year, so he's, he's a little over halfway through with his academic portion of it, pro- probably a, a mid-year guy. So he's got a year left of high school. He's three-quarters of the way through, and, and he's been traveling uh, to, to campuses, um, to camps since after his freshman year. Um, they're going to continue to do that. You know, he's moved. He's moved schools. They started in in, in the Dallas area. Uh, now they're in in Phoenix. Um, you know, he will he'll stay at, at Chandler for, for his senior year. But this is a mobile family, is what I'm saying. They've been in Nebraska many many times. Um, of course, they've been to all kinds of other schools. So not a surprise to see the Royellas show up at the at the national championship game and, and to see Dylan there and you know, taking pictures uh, with with fans. I think George is definitely a factor here. You know, until he signs with the school, uh, the, the, the recruiting is a crazy game, and, and um, so we'll see. You know, I I, I like Nebraska's chances um, because of uh, the passionate feelings that that family has for. The University of Nebraska. It's something you can see in their body language and all over their faces when they come to Nebraska for games and take pictures on the field and walk around in pregame. And you know, I'm not privy to the conversations that happen behind the scenes, mm-hmm. but I think the coaching transition um, and what has happened over the past two months has been extremely beneficial in the end and will continue to be beneficial for Nebraska in its pursuit of um, of Dylan Rayola. Um, you can expect that when those doors open for recruiting again this week, that there will be a heavy presence, um, that Nebraska sends to Chandler, Arizona, to check in on Dylan Rayola and, um, just to be there, you know, there's limited, they're limited in the kind of contact that they can have face to face. You're not going to see home visits at this point or anything like that, but, um, they will be there, and and uh, you know, as will other schools, as will Georgia, as will I'm sure USC and others too. Uh, but Nebraska will be, um, will be right there in the mix. And you know, I I think my my suspicion is that this is going to work out well for Nebraska
3: few more minutes. Mitch Sherman joins us from The Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Coming up here before the hour is done, uh, another segment with Mitch as we put him on hold up against a hard break. Guys will react to uh, the Billy Kemp get for Nebraska, uh, the wide receiver slash punt returner, and uh, what he can bring to this off- uh, offense. Uh, interesting story on, on Jeff Sims, Nebraska's quarterback. From a national analyst with on three, what what is Jeff Sims at quarterback? Uh, Nebraska's coaches think they know, but based on on his career and how it's gone at Georgia Tech, man, that ceiling's pretty high, uh, pretty high for him. And uh, we'll also in into hour two dive into the, the best two year runs in college football. Where does Georgia rank? In reference to Nebraska 94-95, uh, Bill Conley dives in there. Tonight, not only Nebraska basketball, but Micah Makuza is going to make his announcement, sets his commitment date, and uh, that is, well, uh, around 7. So while well, you're tipping one back, keep uh, locked into Hale Varsity's Twitter handle at uh, Hale Varsity for an update or two or, or three. So that's on the way. More with Mid Sherman, Andy Markowski going to break down Nebraska, Illinois. We'll have thoughts from Fred Hoyberg. Big, big ball game for Nebraska basketball and plenty more college football as we continue a Tuesday. It's Hale Varsity, and we're presented by Currency. And now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, tail City Varsity Radio. A few more minutes with Mitch Sherman from The Athletic. Mitch, you've seen this uh, recruiting side of things for a while. Does Coach Rule's staff remind you of any... Other staff in college football, I mean, I look at Kirby Smart in Georgia, and I know the vicinity of the talent is, does rules staff remind you of another program out there? Are they their, their own unique animal when it comes to their evaluation, their ability to recruit, and then obviously just they they are grinders, they're tireless, it always being two or three steps ahead to be everywhere all the time?
0: That's a good question. It's tough. It's tough because they haven't been together long enough for me to say that I see characteristics of this program or that program. You know, that's all a piece. Those are all pieces to a bigger puzzle that I think come together after they've been on the ground in Lincoln for months, if not years. Um, So no, I, I, you know, I, I don't see sit the, I I see similarities to different places, but I don't see like an entire, I, I can't make a comparison to to from one staff and say, this is, like Nebraska they're they're still you know officially putting this thing together you know we'll get an announcement this week on on wager and and on on Garrett McGuire um and on Rob Dvorachek as the as the linebackers coach you know those guys are in the in the fold now the, the latter two of those are done with their um with their seasons in, in Carolina and, and they'll they'll be announced very soon but um, you know, until then, still <laughs> officially just the seven seven assistant coaches and Matt Rule and you know his his um, his support staff, the administ- administrative side. So they're still they're still working on this. I, you know, you asked me, um, and I went in a different direction That's a few fine. minutes ago about how I would describe the staff. And you know, this may, maybe helps to answer the, the, this question you're asking right now, and, and they haven't had time to go in a different direction. But al- although. I've seen it. I've seen, I've seen it go in a different direction. Um, so they have had time right now. I see, um, a very functional and that's maybe not the most complimentary complimentary word. Um, it's not, it's, it's, I, I mean it in a, in a way of complimenting them because so often at Nebraska and in, in, in previous regimes and I'm not just talking about the Scott Frost years. So, so often at Nebraska, there has been dysfunction that has bogged things down. Um, and so far with this group, what I see is efficiency, function, you know, common sense um, running the, the organization. Um, excellent at communication from the head coach on down through other areas of the staff in uh, the way that they communicate with the recruits, um, you know, they're going to get even better at that as they have more time to, to, to branch out. But um, you know, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's what I observe here as we're what six or seven weeks into this thing.
3: Mitch Sherman with us. Sail varsity radio Mitch with the athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch will uh, we'll wrap up and, uh, and ask you the, uh, the, the question that that at uh, the athletic put out this morning on Twitter and, would you rather lose in a blowout, or would you rather lose a heartbreaker?
0: I think I'd rather lose a heartbreaker. I, you know, it's gonna hurt more in the <laughs> end. Um, but if I'm TCU and I wake up this morning, yeah, I th- I'd rather go down thirty-five, thirty-four than sixty-five to seven. Um, that's a that's a fairly easy one to answer.
3: I'm with you. I, I paused when when I saw it and I read it and I'm like, you know. That that pain is feels like forever if you're uh, if you lose a nail biter, but then you've seen it work from a motivational standpoint at a very very high level. Specifically, you look at what uh, what Nebraska turned the '94 Orange Bowl into. Just from a uh, an example right. here, and, and right. then but listen, I mean, there he went into 20, 2002. I should say. Post Miami's drubbing, you know, drubbing of you, and it just it went bad to worse. So
0: I do, yeah, I do think it's it's um it's easier or it's it's it makes more sense to be able to find great motivation and build on a close loss than it does to build on something. It's hard to build off of last night if you're TCU. I mean, yeah. it didn't ruin their season by any means, but it's a that's one that you kind of have to just forget.
3: Yeah, you just walk away from and just. Never to be referenced again, right? Mitch Sherman with us from The Athletic. Mitch, we'll talk again next week. Always uh, appreciate checking in with you. Thanks for the time today.
0: Okay, thanks a lot, Chris.
3: Thanks to Mitch Sherman and an extended chat with him. On Hale Varsity Radio at Mitch Sherman on Twitter, as uh, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark, Clark, we get, we get back, back at, at it. it. Was that me? It's fixed now. We got it. Okay. All right. Oh, I'm not sure where Connor just went, though. Connor has disappeared. <laughs> Connor threw his computer out the, uh, the 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 window. So we ended with Mitch asking, "Is it better to get blown out or lose a heartbreaker?" And while those heartbreak losses can absolutely eat away at you and tear away at you, I'm going to echo what I just said. It it that that pain can be turned into fuel and. With with the blowout loss, specifically in TCU's case, TCU woke up this morning and just said, "What the hell just ran us over?" And while there'll be a new team, a different team next year with the same goal, we get back to the playoff, win a conference title. Uh, what what can you learn other than, man, from a staff standpoint, we better recruit better. Well. Easier said than done.
1: Or or do do they wake up and and wonder how they squandered such a season? And I don't want to say it ruins their season, but whenever you look back in 10 years, you're going to look back at this game and you're not going to remember – Oh, man, TCU had a great year that year. They, they beat Oklahoma real bad. They they went to the Big 12 championship game and lost to Kansas State. But you're going to remember that they got absolutely steamrolled by Georgia in the championship in game. In
3: historical fashion.
1: In historical fashion. That's what you're going to remember from TCU. And while it's nice to say, you know what, this doesn't take away from the season that they had, it kind of does. Sure. It kind of takes away it's, from the season. It's they the they last impression. No one is going to remember any of the regular season games from this TCU squad. Unless you're a TCU fan. Some of them are going to remember the moments, but what you're going to look back on and say, man, that TCU team didn't deserve to get into that championship game despite the fact they beat Michigan, and they were beat in historic fashion by the the best team in the country, Georgia. You're going to remember TCU as the doormat.
3: You're going to remember TCU as a team that just got flat out embarrassed. Mm-hmm. And you, to bring this back to, to a Nebraska angle, Nebraska – what do you remember about 2001? Both of you guys remember probably zero. But from a Nebraska fan base standpoint, yeah, it was kind of funny to get in over Colorado for the championship game, the Rose Bowl game. But you remember how that season ended. Not the fact that Eric Crouch helped will a team to be in position. They weren't a bad team, right? They were top four good. They belonged playing Illinois in the Sugar Bowl or Oregon in the Fiesta Bowl. They probably didn't belong playing Be My Guest Oregon, Colorado, whoever in the 2001 year of college football you go play that Miami team and see if you can still walk after the game. And that kind of gets to my point. is what are the,
1: Nebraska fans are going to remember moments from that 2001 season yes, yeah. but the overarching college football the final two, <laughs> two yeah, games. Th- 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 the average fan from around the country is going to look back at that season and go yeah, man, Nebraska got steamrolled by Miami. What did Nebraska do that year? Because everyone remembers Miami. That's what it's going to be with, with TCU as well.
3: Yeah, that's, that's on the gravestone for, for this season is, hey, great year. You lived dangerously and won a lot of ball games, but you got pummeled when it mattered. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, managing editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price
1: of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do
3: 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook and all of the premium content we produce at hail Just go to hail slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of hail varsity. That's hail slash subscribe promo code GBR. And now, and now back to hail varsity radio. Thanks for hanging out, winding down this first hour. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by Currency. For all your equipment, financing needs, go Currency. Ten minutes away, Andy Markowski going to be with us. His thoughts on Nebraska, Illinois tonight. And uh, where does Nebraska rank versus Georgia when it comes to the best two-year stretches in college football? ESPN's college football uh, insider and historian, uh, Bill Conley uh, weighs in on the best two-year stretches in college football. We'll debate that around 525. Open phones next hour as well. And an email from Matt earlier in the show asked about a comment I made earlier. And the talent gap between TCU and in Georgia last night was obvious with the margin of victory there's some guys that are good ball players there's some guys that'll go play in the NFL from TCU same with Georgia Georgia is going to have more of them and from a depth standpoint it was highlighted on the broadcast where the, the line change with the the three down linemen the two of them are true freshmen that come in and just keep wailing away on the interior of that TCU offensive line, I haven't seen the gap in talent since I go back to that Orange uh, that that Rose Bowl game, um, because that's what last night reminded me of was the Rose Bowl, Miami v Nebraska. Just Nebraska had a good team, had really good players, Crouch won a Heisman, but it was just a different animal with with Ed Reed and Willis, Willis McGahee and Sean Taylor and. Go down the list of that historic roster that Miami had. It was a knife and a gun fight. Is what it was. Back in the Rose Bowl, and that's what it was last night with uh, with Georgia versus TCU.
1: Yeah, and when you say Georgia's the more talented team across the board, it doesn't necessarily mean that all 22 starters are better than all TCU's 22 starters, whenever you line them up like for like. But when you say across the board, it's... Pretty damn close. It's Mm -hmm. 19, 20 guys that Georgia put on the field last night. They're starters. You would put across the the, the guy from TCU across them, and you'd say, you know what, Georgia wins this one. Almost all the way across the board, the exceptions being uh, maybe Max Duggan over Stetson Bennett. That one seemed like a wash last night. Based on the season that they had, I'd take Max Duggan, but then based on what I saw last night, I'd take Stetson Bennett. And quarterback gets helped out by the talent around him, so I think you have to take that into account with Stetson Bennett. And then
3: you go with uh, Stetson. And Max is incredible. Great career, lots of perseverance, very talented dude, and you you flip flop him, and I think you probably you you, you trade helmets, you're going to get a similar result. <laughs> you just you just do. I mean, if Max would have had some of the options and weapons, and specifically the defense that that Georgia had on TCU, then you know Max duggan's uh, uh, a, in a much better spot versus running for his life every play. Or at least and, give him
1: Brock Bowers as a safety net. I mean, Brock Bowers, based on what I've seen this season and last night, would probably walk into the NFL and be a top 10 tight end right now. I, I've, seen, I've seen some people say top three. That's a little far for me um, just because there is the, the the gap between the NFL and college. But that dude would be a top tight end now. If he were to go he still has a year of college he has to complete.
3: He does. And you look at the, the tight end class, I mean, Bowers right there, and that tells you what the, the analysts think of Thomas Fedoni because Fedoni ranked in front of Bowers mm-hmm. as uh, Nebraska fans anxious to see Fedoni stay healthy and get on the field. We'll spend some time with Eddie Markowski, more college football thoughts. It's hour two. It's on the way with Hale Varsity presented by Currency. Back with you, it's Hour 2, it's Hale City Radio, presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency, Krishman, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark is back. Connor, have you found a hard wire?
4: I haven't, but I think I found a good spot. It took a couple of chances, but we're we're good to go. We're on the main level, so we're not in the bunker anymore, and uh, we should be good to go for. The rest well, of
1: the t- show. take us through the what seemed to be medieval torture uh, devices you were using during the break. I, I saw them. You you had them on camera for just a second, and it, it looked to me to
3: be to be torture devices. I, w- I was not watching this.
4: Well, it was a phone tripod, which I actually just got in my stocking. kind of looks
3: like so a nipple clamp. A there. <laughs> but... I was thinking the same thing. I wasn't going gonna... to say it. <laughs> you know, maybe
4: I should just stay disconnected.
3: <laughs> <at this point. sighs> Poor Connor. Poor Andy
1: just sitting backstage waiting. He's just like,
3: I'm hanging up, never ever to answer the phone call again. Let's welcome in the Pride of the Wrong show. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Well, you're on the phone. Someday we'll get you on camera, Andy, and you can see uh, Connor's uh, devices (laughs) that are are in his his subterranean uh, Chicago home. Uh, How are you, Andy? What do you know?
5: Yeah, doing well. Great start to, uh, to the new year and a uh, big game at PBA
3: tonight. It is. It is an, an absolute, uh, well, need to win. And, and this is the second one in a row for, for Nebraska basketball. And I want to start off with uh, your thought process, emotions, uh, Andy Barkowski, Husker basketball standout with us, with the Minnesota game. Were you confident or were you like, eh, was there a cloud of doubt? Uh, about Nebraska.
5: <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, it's, it's uh, you know, from the football to, to the basketball side, you know, it's, uh, we've been a little snake bit, right? So I think uh, the whole fan base, when, you know, when that corner three went into forced overtime, you're, you're just thinking, oh, you know, here, here, here we go again. But even
7: the start of the game, you know, I thought,
5: you know, defensively, we didn't have a lot of energy. Minnesota making a lot of shots, but we were able to score, which, you know, made me feel like, okay, like, you know, at least we're finding baskets against Minnesota to, to stay attached. And, you know, I, I thought the second half, uh, you know, we settled in. And, you know, we should have put the game away. in Regulation didn't happen. But you got to credit the group that they had the, the uh, you know, just the, the, the tough-mindedness to, to stay the course. And, and any road win, regardless if Minnesota is 14, any road win is this, you know, prove with the women losing at Rutgers. It's, it's just hard to win on the road in the, in, the, in the Big Ten, and the men, you know, give them credit. they
1: they got to win. Andy Markowski's with us here. It's Hale Varsity Radio uh, presented by Currency. And, Andy, whenever you, you look ahead to tonight, did that Minnesota game, did that give you – encouragement for this Husker basketball team moving forward in the fact that, you know what, that they went and got a, a win on a hostile venue on the road whenever things didn't always go their way, or, or does it make you a little bit nervous that Nebraska struggled with a team that, frankly put, is not going to finish in the top half of the Big Ten. It's probably going to be a basement dweller in the Big Ten in Minnesota. No, I, you know, it's,
5: it's kind of what I thought it would be, right? I mean, you know, Vegas had a, a small favorite. Um, you know, Minnesota just played Wisconsin, you know, really tough. So, you know, I, you know it's it's not like Minnesota has has been blown out by by big 10 teams I mean I feel like they've been competitive especially after after Christmas um so you know it, it's on paper I thought we were were more talented than Minnesota obviously Battle is a is a terrific player um you know we we had proven that we can beat you know good teams at home um uh, you know to go on the road and, and and see it uh you know transfer into a win um I felt what it was positive so you know, even though they're a lower half team, uh, you got to protect your home court. You got to find a few wins on the road, and, and you know, so far they're um, they're, they're kind of holding holding serve. Um, you know, with with the NIT being being the ceiling. So if they can still a couple more road wins and you know win a game um, like Illinois tonight, then then you know I think the NIT is still uh, a possibility for the group.
4: Andy, what's your take on Illinois coming into this game tonight? Because they lost Sky Clark Mm. right after their loss to Northwestern, but then they come back at home and arguably play their best game of the year in conference. So what do you make of the Illini coming into this game? What have they done in the transfer portal that you like? And how do they stand here tonight? Well, I
5: I think, you know, obviously there was some smoke signals coming out of, of there over the last month that, um, you know, the, the, maybe the leadership and, and the continuity of, of the group uh, wasn't uh, aligning as fast as, as Brad wanted it to. Um, you know, sometimes transfer portal you can add talent, but sometimes it, it doesn't blend. You know, look at Nebraska last year. I thought there was, was times that we were real, really talented, but the pieces didn't fit. I think Illinois is is a case of that. I think when, when they make shots like they did the other night, I, you know, I think their energy level is good. I think they're a fan. I, I think they uh, play more together as a team. When things start to, to, to break apart and, you know, you're missing shots and, you know, I, I don't know if they're, um, team chemistry and, and, you know, that group hasn't been together. I think Shannon is, you know, is a perfect player that they added, but, but yet, you know, isn't, maybe being as consistent as what they, they've had in years past at, at the guard spot and, you know, certainly losing, um, you know, the size they lost last year along the front line has, has left a little void. So, you know, I think Illinois is a interesting team. I think they're talented. Um, you know, I, I think Nebraska's togetherness and toughness and, you know, the fact that we are connected on the defensive end, uh, you know, should allow us to win tonight.
1: Andy Markowski with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Andy, you mentioned the fact that Illinois lost some size along their front line, and that's where I want to go because they got a guy in Coleman Hawkins who – really, to me, reminds me of almost an Isaiah Roby type, very athletic, six foot ten. The NBA teams, the NBA scouts have been watching him all season long. The difference between him and Roby is it seems like his jumper is a little bit more developed and maybe a little less willing to go down amongst the trees and, and do the dirty work down low. What's your take on a, a guy like that and how Nebraska will be able to defend them? Is that a guy that Nebraska wants to have uh, coming against them as the big man, or, or is that something that you, th- you think is a little bit scary for this Husker basketball team with what he brings? Thanks.
5: Yeah, I think Gary uh, is, is a really good match there. I think Gary is going to bring some some physicality, and you know, even if if they slide him to the five, I think Walker is pretty mobile. So I, I'm comfortable with that match. But you know, you kind of described it. They, they went from you know probably being one of the most physical teams in, in the Big Ten a year ago. Uh, you know, just top court man to man. Uh, you almost you know Michigan State kind of had that mantra of of being the the the, the toughest teams. Uh, loose balls, fifty fifty balls, and you know, this group they, they just have not played to that—that that level of physicality, and—and yeah, I—I like the matchup. Um, you know, really, it, it comes down for us, to, you know, taking care of the basketball. They're going to get into Greisel a little bit, and—and and if uh, you know, if he, if he can handle it, if he can get us into offense, uh, and then just, you know, if we can. Can make some open threes. Um, you yeah, know, I think Wilhelm has, has really helped us. Uh, you know, he's he's came in and, and allowed us to, to stretch at another spot. I, I think he's two out of his last you know four or five threes. So you know that that is what they need him to do: be able to shoot it from from another spot outside of just their two guards, Wilcher and Tomanaga. Um, but defensively, I, I think we can guard them. I mean, you know, Shannon's a terrific player. He's capable of going to get you know 20, but. Um, yeah, you know, I think our wing matchups are good. I like our four matchup. I think it's uh, you know it's a game that on on paper, um, if if we can you know get off to a good start. I think Fred said that the other day. I mean you know Illinois still has some question marks about how good they are. So if we get off to a good start, make them play from behind. You know PBA is a tough place to play. It should be a fun night.
3: Andy, when when UCLA's been on it and and they they hung seventy nine against Wisconsin, Northwestern's proving to be. Not a slouch, so more and more teams in league have lost to Northwestern. Even though it's a rivalry, they've won at Texas. They beat UCLA early this year and had tight games against Maryland and just a nine-point loss to Virginia. When when Illinois won, uh, and tonight's going to be a tough environment for them. What's what's been the reason? What what is their identity with? Illinois, uh, when it comes to some of these signature wins they've had, but also wins that that Vegas says they should be able to go eke out on the road. They're 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 minus four and a half tonight.
5: Yeah, I, I've you know I've not watched you know all those games, but just looking at some box scores, when they when they've shot it, they've played with you know with a better an en- uh, energy. They they've been able to handle you know some of that. Adversity when they haven't shot it is, is where they've they've really struggled from a leadership standpoint. You know they've had some scoring droughts. So you know Nebraska's going to have to do a good job. You know Michigan State you know shot it well uh, and then Minnesota got off to a good start. So you know we have to make sure that that we're defending. Uh, you know we're, we're 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 helping a lot. But you know we're athletic enough to kind of extra cover the backside, run people off the three point line. So yeah, I, I think if. If we make eight, nine threes to our two or three threes, we're going to have a hard time tonight. But, you know, if we could make five or six or seven, which, you know, is kind of our ceiling uh, as a three point shooting team, but, but keep them in that same range. Um, you know, I think that gives us our best chance to win. And, and when they have shot it well, um, you know, they've, they've played harder. And, and, you know, I think, you know, Brad has made comments on that, that their energy and effort is not consistent. And when that happens, you know, you win some big games and then lose some that maybe you should have won.
4: Andy Markowski is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Tonight, Derek Walker obviously going to be a big factor for the Huskers as he has been ever since returning from his illness at the beginning of the year. What does his stat line need to look like tonight in order for the Huskers to come out on top?
5: Yeah, the, the same. I, I, I think uh, uh, you know his, his assist um, uh, total is, is, is what I look at. The, the games that he has to have 8-9, assists are trying to run offense is a little scary for us. That means our guards aren't able to, to create, or maybe Sam's not able to to, to take advantage of, of his point guard matchup. So I, I like Derek kind of in that 12 to 14 point range with, you know, seven or eight rebounds and, and kind of four or five assists. If, if we're having to to constantly get him to basketball in the middle of the floor to create shots for, for, for other, um, you know, for our, uh, shooters and, and our and our wing players. That's not a a great recipe. I think Minnesota. Um, you know they they liked his matchup, but but he also had eight or nine assists because our guards really weren't doing a lot to create offense. So, you know, as much as I'd love to see him get a triple-double, uh, if he's getting up with an assist, that means for being way too dependent on him being the focal point of, of distributing in the offense. And, you know, I think he's better as a scorer and a rebounder and, and, and let the guards make some plays as well.
3: Andy, that leads into my next thought, and that is who's the wingman tonight uh, against Minnesota. Nebraska had uh, pretty balanced scoring with uh, Walker taking over in overtime. Who else, along with Walker, needs to get it done tonight? I know um, there, there's some obvious names, but, but who are you confident in tonight?
5: Yeah, well, good question. I, I, I love Vandermount. He, he's a tough kid. I, I think for this team to, to, to get to the NIT, he's got to start scoring more. Um, you know, he gets out in transition and finds a layup. But, I, you know, some of those pull-ups and threes I think he's capable of making. Um, you know, Wiltshire and Tominaga just struggle getting their own shot. I think NML is capable of going to get a basket, um, but he's going to have his hands full. You know, I think Shannon is a, is a great two way player. So, you know, it comes back to, to Wiltshire and, and Tominaga as, as being, you know, they're kind of one for one at that two guard. You know, they've got to make, uh, you know, open shots when, when, when they get the opportunity because. You know, Gary is is in that eight to eight range, um, and then Wilhelm is providing him a little bit of offense. So, you know, it's kind of a long winded answer, Chris, but I think Banamel really needs to be a twelve to fourteen point scorer uh, for for this team to grow and and you know have a chance to win games like tonight or, or, or go on the road and beat teams in the middle of the pack in the Big Ten.
1: Andy Markowski is with us here at Hale Varsity Radio. And Andy, let's flip it over to the women here with the last about two minutes we have left. And they got a tough stretch upcoming, three of their next five coming against opponents ranked in the top 25. But they started off tomorrow night with Penn State, a game that uh, I, I don't want to call it winnable, but I, I think the Huskers uh, should go into this one feeling confident.
5: Well, after uh, I, I was lucky enough to not have great internet uh, coverage driving out to Columbus, I uh, said, so, uh, uh, I have the Pious game on Saturday, um, but having to watch that game on on tape delay, I I, I don't know if any game is is, is going to be easy for the group. They're they're not playing very well uh, since Widener went out. Um, they're they're trying to find you know find their way. I know they you know, had a chance to win you know at Indiana, so they're 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 capable of getting getting some of this fixed. But you know new roles are sometimes hard to do in the middle of the season. But, but Penn State has improved. Um, to your point, it's at home. Um, you know, I think we're kind of dropping uh, down on the, on the bubble or an area that you don't want to be. So, this is a game they need to win. And then, you know, they have number three, Ohio State, coming in here on Saturday, which, you know, I think is 18-0 and, and uh, you know, being one of the top teams in the country. So, it's a, it's a huge week for them. Certainly, uh, they need to write the ship on Wednesday and, and have a chance to, to get a huge win on, on Saturday with a top five opponent in, at PBA.
3: Andy, about thirty seconds. The pious girls tip it off Thursday against Southeast.
5: Yeah, just Southeast is, is, is much improved. Uh, they beat uh, uh, you know Lincoln Northeast the the other night, so Lincoln Lincoln basketball is, is very healthy. Uh, I think all Lincoln teams are are competitive Class A. You know, I think Christian has a good group. So yeah, nothing nothing easy in Class A. You know, we we are uh, nine and one. Uh, certainly, having Southeast at home is is a game that. You know, it's important to to our kids and you know, it's a game that uh you know, we, we need to win if we wanna, you know, keep uh wildcard points so uh, high so we get a chance to host the district, which is so key in class
3: A. Eddie Markowski with us, Pride of Ord, Husker standout at Markowski underscore Andy on Twitter. Andy, enjoy the ball game tonight. Thanks for your time as always, bud.
5: Thanks for having me guys. Take,
3: Take care. Take you. There he is, Andy Markowski with us on Hale Varsity. Good breakdown in Nebraska, Illinois, some good insight. On the matchup tonight, open phones till 6 for you. We'll dive into that uh, historical question, Nebraska uh, v. Georgia, when it comes to a two-year run in college football. Hail Varsity continues. dollars off a full year of hail varsity that's hail backslash subscribe promo code gbr
2: chime in 402 466 espn or email the show chris and hail just try me try me back
3: to hail varsity radio Thanks to Andy Markowski. Podcast is up for Mitch Sherman and also Andy Markowski. That'll be ready for you. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. You can do the whole show or different segments of the show at your convenience. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Hail Varsity Radio, also the full show and video. On the Hale Varsity YouTube channel, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark, open phones till 6 here at 466 377 825 5865 Let me ask you this. Are you insulted when you hear this Georgia team being considered the greatest of all time? And in reference and in context, it's a two-year run. That's our parameter. That's the question. It's out there, ESPN.com. Bill Conley, totally respect him and his work, and he's pretty forthright with what he thinks and how much he respects Nebraska. So it's not a a clickbait, let's start a a, uh, forest fire on Twitter, but Nebraska 95 has been trending the last 20 hours. And uh, Nebraska fans, to your credit, You are going to the wall, to the mattresses, however you want to term it, to to defend Nebraska's run. Uh, History is important. It's not been a great decade for Nebraska, a little less than a decade. But when it comes to historical significance in a place in history on that Mount Rushmore of college football moments, teams, programs, reckoning, uh, it is very uh, hard to convince, flip, argue with, and win against a Nebraska fan on that 94-95 run. The the ten best two-year runs, the way it's outlined, you have Barry Switzer and Barry's talked a lot about those those two two of his three national championship teams. What's unique about these sooner teams is they were on probation, right? They were in NCAA jail they didn't get to go to a bowl game, but they still were crowned champions or or, or won a share of one. <laughs> and they claimed one title, excuse me. But they went 21-0 and one and then 22-1. Just fabulous. They were great. Now they they were not eligible to go play in an Orange Bowl against a Notre Dame. Or against the USC, who was tied to the Rose Bowl. You have USC, their 0-5 season, their 0-5 team, absolutely annihilated Oklahoma, Oklahoma in similar fashion to what Georgia did against TCU, A similar fashion what Miami did to Nebraska in one similar fashion to what Nebraska did to Florida, uh, twenty four and one. Those SC teams, you, you, your only loss uh, was. Uh, the Texas, the Vince Young game in that uh, Rose Bowl. Who's on the horn? We got Paul and Lincoln on the line okay. with us. Paul, thanks for calling. Go ahead.
7: Hey, guys. Uh, remind me, Schmitty, Georgia last year, what's the record? How'd they do?
3: They won the title. They lost a game. I know zero is greater than one when it comes to two-year run. Nebraska went 25-0. and
7: Yeah, I think you got to take that into account. I mean, honestly, I would not want to have my Huskers. I am probably the most diehard Husker fan you have ever met. Heck, I wrote a children's book about the Huskers. I'm doing all sorts of things that are Husker-related. I love them, been there so many games, but it just kills me to have to say that I would not want to have seen the 94 or even the 95 Huskers play that Georgia team last night. They looked almost unstoppable on either side of the ball. They
3: look great. They are loaded. They're talented. They're deep. They're physical. Don't disagree at all with you. What I can't do is accurately transport eras. I can't transport 2022, 2023 to 1995. I just just can't do it because guys are bigger, stronger, faster every five to ten years. And I guess
7: I'd have to take Part of that back, what I said, I think I actually would love to have seen 95 Huskers versus 2022 Georgia, because I think it would have been a hell of a That'd game. That would have been fun.
3: It would have been a lot of fun. And there are things that Georgia has and can do that make you might make you sweat a little bit. And there's things that 95 Nebraska, theoretically, if you can go apples to apples, could do and would do uh, that would make Georgia sweat. I mean, we don't know. Had Georgia uh, handle uh, ground and pound. Now, they come out of the SEC, and it's physical, so I get it. But can you stop Frazier in the option? Can Nebraska's pass rush?
7: Of the play-by-play man. How many tackles can one man break?
1: That's a good
3: impression, actually. That was pretty good. Yeah, old Jim Nance. Jim Nance wanted to wander in traffic after halftime of that ball game. (laughs) Little-known fact, Paul, thanks for the phone call. Bill Cosby was... Doing the honorary coin flip of that fiestable.
1: I did not know that.
3: I did not that's, know that. That's but, all right. But I like your point about you can't transport it's through the years to, because It's hard to do it when you got Georgia's tight end. How Brock big Bowers. Is, Brock Bowers is how big? 6'5", somewhere in the 250 range. Okay, 6'5", 250. Okay. Uh, I think Grant told me he probably played defensive end as a sophomore that year for Nebraska. True sophomore. He might have been two forty five, two fifty, six five, six six. So that's that's a fair comp, a defensive end versus a tight end.
1: But the counterpoint is, whenever I look at Georgia's secondary last night, do I see any of them tackling Tommy Frazier with success? Probably not. So it comes down to Nebraska's offensive line. Well, going can Georgia stop the option? I mean, there's there's there's, <laughs> there's mismatches in uh, on both sides for both teams here, and it's because you're trying to go play a football team that was around twenty five years ago, but. I mean, in terms of mismatches, I don't know, sure I see anybody beating that twenty nineteen LSU team with Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and Justin Jefferson offensively. Like, so I mean, well, but yeah, I think you have to separate the team a little bit from whenever you're talking about a two year run. I who think was you got to look at
3: what they did during their their run, and what what sticks out to me is Nebraska. You you're not going to convince me that. Nebraska's task in 94, the 95 Orange Bowl, wasn't the toughest assignment. To go in in Miami at night, period, Mm -hmm. against Warren Sapp, against Trey Lewis, against a slew of NFL guys. And it's not just go in in the Orange Bowl at night. It's go in in the Orange Bowl at night at a place that's given you PTSD for the last five years, five bowl games. Decade, quite frankly. That's that's the icing. The fact they're unbeaten is the math. The fact that they went and beat that Miami team and then followed up and annihilated a Florida team that went on to win the national championship team a year later. Win a, win a national championship a year later. And Nebraska's victories and margin of victory against ranked teams, against four top ten teams, against a really good era of Colorado football, uh, taking down your your son sunshine state champion in Florida or Miami, that's the kicker. I know I'm from here. I know I've grown up going and watching and covering, but that to me is your is your differentiator. I know that uh, that Georgia beat LSU, okay, in the conference championship game. I know they survived Ohio State, and God love you for doing it because that's a good Ohio State team. I know they thrashed Oregon to start the year. They still didn't get to face Bama this year, though. Did they? No, they didn't play Alabama. Mm-mm. So, and that—that's not their fault. It's just—it's just part of the math I'm doing here. How the they Braz- won't
4: play Alabama next year either?
3: No, I know. Michigan and, and Georgia got a cakewalk into it, guys. That's where I'm at with this. I I can't accurately take yesterday and get in the Delorean and go back. I can tell you what I think, and I think a, a pound ground-and-pound rush option offense is a pain in the ass for anybody to stop in any era. And I think the depth in pass rush and just the mentality is is a different beast that, that those teams that existed had. Uh, and that's your difference. That's your difference. That's where I. Those are the two legs I stand on with Nebraska football against many or any argument. I mean. Can we at least agree here, though, that that what we've seen in the
1: past two years from Georgia is the closest we've seen to that run of dominance, 94-95, from Nebraska and in terms of but a 2 you year, have- no, Al- Alabama had the 2011-2010 the back 2011-2012 back-to-back, back-to-back they did. I think you could make the comparison. I think Georgia is the most dominant. Think- in terms of how dominantly they handled college football the past 2 years. I think it's the closest that we've seen since 94-95 Nebraska. And
3: well, and you can't and I hate saying this but I mean, Miami, I mean Miami's teams 2000 to 2001, 2001, to 2002. Mm. I mean, they're they're bulletproof. They are incredible. I mean, that's the game I'd love to see is 95 Nebraska versus so one Miami. I mean, give me that. Who's on the horn? We got Chris on the line. Chris, thanks for calling. Go ahead.
6: Hey, guys, great show. You made some comments earlier that uh, made me think, and I, um, the, you know, Georgia bringing in their freshmen and their freshmen just dominating. You know, if you watched uh, the playoffs the last five years, you see that quite a bit. These awesome teams that go to the playoffs and even dominate and win national championships, they are they play their freshmen.
3: They have freshmen um, that they trust playing. I think that's the difference, and... You have a handful of freshmen that are given key snaps and big snaps, but they're ready for it.
6: Now, last year Henderson for Ohio State, um, you know, and, and big we, <laughs> time running back. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. And and, you, and it's Clemson's had wide receivers that got quite a bit of playing time as freshmen. And we don't do that at Nebraska well, very much anymore. I, I, I think, have you a, know, you not don't have. I'm not talking have, about your rank and file two and three star guys. You don't but have the same. When a four star five star guy goes someplace, they don't want to. If they see that that previously four star five star guys just sat on their butts, you know they're not going to be excited to go there. Well, I think you also have to look it, at the, the guys around these freshmen that you, these high you level. Don't, teams you don't have, have the
3: same level of guy. Well, Nebraska. You haven't
1: for the last. If you throw in. A freshman into the secondary at Georgia. There's going to be four and
3: five year guys around. Four star receivers that just get lost. Dude, they may be on paper. They may be four star. Sean
6: Lindsey has been playing great for Oregon State for, what, nine years now? Mm -hmm. I mean, he had a heck of a year this year. He's throwing touchdown passes you know that that's um,
3: great but you still got to do what you're told and do what you're asked to do and and, and you don't always get that because of your attention issue and it should also be noted but that who was so, better
6: than Tyshawn Lindsey well you know, his, we his, his freshman nobody. year his, his, his freshman, freshman year he didn't
3: do a damn thing except fumble the football on kick returns you to look some
1: some guys are four and five stars because of potential and some are four and five stars because of who they are and typically whenever you're the Georgias and the alabamas of the world you can pick up the four and five stars that are four and five stars because they're ready now and other they're guys they're not
3: missing on their four and five stars that's, that's great point
1: too. and then whenever, and whenever they and then whenever they throw them in well, they, they throw them in with guys that are four and five year starters in the sec that you know what if the freshman makes a mistake the four and five year starter next to him can go in,
3: and clean some chris up. thanks for the phone call bud appreciate you dialing up i don't discount him saying let's play the young studs but you've got to have your young studs ready to go they've got to be up to par And then the situation's got to be right. We got a hard break. We'll take more of your calls. We'll continue this discussion. Connor, what's your thoughts? Also, what's your thoughts at 466 3776? It's Hail Varsity. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. Hail Varsity, presented by Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. Get to more of your calls here with ESPN, Bill Conley. The best two-year stretch, he has Nebraska 94, 95 ranked number two behind Georgia. Georgia 2021-2022. Recency bias, or does he have a point? You youngins are like, dude, old man, pump your brakes with this 94-95 worship. I get it. I can listen. It's just hard to... um, it's hard for me to to wrap my unwrap my arms around that those two teams that era what they did and the fact they went 25 and 0 now i won't doubt that there's insane talent athleticism options different bigger faster dudes 28 years later it, it just it is what it is in that aspect of um of talent and just what you are needing to put on a football field now. I think the
1: the real argument that you can make for Georgia is the fact that, right or wrong, it's going to go down that the SEC in 2021 and 2022 was better than the Big 12 was in 94 and 95. The road to get to the the, the college football playoff was more difficult for well, Georgia. The ro- road, road
3: to win a title is different. You're playing a it, it's conference different. title game and, a, and, and two games. But like for like, I think I can look at Georgia's schedule this year and
1: say, you know what, that was... On par if not better than Nebraska's schedule in, in ninety five, the second year of each, because what what re- really the SEC the tide, West
3: was good. The, the SEC was difficult. Big eight was really good
1: in ninety-five. Georgia, people forget they started the year with Oregon and Georgia. absolutely beat the brakes off of Oregon. Oregon ended up being a pretty good football team this year. Now three losses. It was week one or week zero, can't remember which for that Oregon team. And, week one. And they they had a lot of development they still needed to do within their program. But I can look at that and I can say, you know what, Georgia's path to the college football playoff is probably a little bit more difficult than Nebraska's path uh, to postseason play back in 94-95 but that's not taking away from what nebraska had to go through nebraska still went through multiple top 10 teams both of those years and
3: and them and and mauled <laughs> and the other part of it too is florida's a hell of a lot better runner-up than GCU. pete's with us on hail varsity pete go ahead how you doing good man what do you say
8: well, I don't know so much on that. It's hard to compare. I will say this. For the championship, if you go back and look at Nebraska's teams that they played for national championship, there was a heck of a lot more NFL caliber uh, players on the opposing side. Uh, TCU last night just totally got out coached, unprepared. It made Georgia look that much better. You think they got out-coached,
3: um, or did they just oh, get out Oh,
1: I think, I, I think Georgia out-schemed them. You know, oh, I
3: mean, I, I it's it's, it's, it's it easy to a, out-scheme with whenever you all have the talent I mean, I mean yeah, you so, can, yeah, you can call whatever the hell you want. I mean, the playbook was open, Pete, wasn't it? That
8: that, that quarterback for TCU had a really poor game. He didn't know what he was seeing out there. Mm. I, I, I don't think TCU, they had a lot of time to, to prepare for Michigan. They didn't have much time to prepare for Georgia. And if you look at TCU, I don't think they have a whole lot of NFL talent on that team compared to to Georgia. I think it was kind of a mismatch in talent-wise and and being prepared, I guess, in my opinion. I think Nebraska, when they won national championships, if you look at the opposing teams, there was an awful lot of NFL caliber Hmm. players uh, we went against.
3: No, totally agree with that. Pete, thanks for the phone call and uh, weighing in on this. Connor, you're a a college football guy and – both of you two young pups that don't have any gray in your hair uh, just get to watch YouTube uh, about the, the mid-90s. Uh, sideburns, gel chains, hyper-color shirts, uh, Tommy Hilfiger, and yes, Nebraska football. LSU, Georgia, even the Texas or SC teams, uh, are they uh, a conversation or an adversary to these Georgia teams?
1: If you're talking two-year runs, no and. One- Sorry, Connor, I should have jumped in here. But in terms of best college football team ever, I think that 2019 LSU team's got a real, real good argument for it. There's, there's what I, they, I what agree with offensively. that. And it was only one year, but.
4: It was only one year, but when you look at the offense that the LSU team had and what it's doing now in the NFL, <laughs> yeah. it's bonkers. And just the, that talent all around is unreal. To go to the comparison between this Georgia two-year run and and Nebraska's two-year run, I think you could make a pretty strong argument on paper that Nebraska may have the upper hand. And what does it for me is that the two, Georgia didn't win two conference titles in a row. And I think people, you know, obviously they won both national championships, which is the ultimate prize. But Nebraska was able to, A, not lose a game in that two-year stretch. They won both conference titles. They beat X amount of top three teams in that run. And they won both of the national championships. Now, again, you guys said it earlier, Georgia's road to the championship is a little bit longer and a little bit tougher. Um, I think if you stuck both teams on the field right now, I think Georgia would probably win. But I think you, you could give Nebraska a pretty good argument on paper that uh, they have the best two-year run in college football. Well, I, it's it's very, very close.
1: If you take any team pre-2000 and put them up against Georgia, that, that 95 Nebraska team's probably got the best shot of taking down Georgia of any team pre-2000, right? I mean, I, I don't think that's crazy to say.
3: No. I need to just reach out, and we'll talk to Babbers tomorrow, Mike Babcock. Get his take on it, because Babbers knows the history, and can we uh, scoop up and drop in?
1: Well, I know Babbers will give a good argument for that 70-71 Nebraska. Sure, uh, Sure. the The back-to-back stretch there, and I I know he – Went to Twitter on that today and said he thinks that's still the best two-year run ever. So
3: Matt chimes in here and listen, I don't know where he comes up with some of this stuff, but I don't recall like a payroll or LSU's 2019 team.
1: I remember the only real investigation being whenever Odell went and tossed hundreds at the team following the national championship. (laughs) Yeah,
3: that was Odell. Yeah, Beckham Jr. Yeah, Odell Beckham. Whenever I don't don't have any.
1: And then he claimed it was monopoly money or yeah, I have I have have zero
3: (laughs) idea. Zero idea what he's talking about here <laughs> with a defensive tackle that, that, that's getting the several hundred dollar handshake at LSU. No idea. That, I mean, that doesn't I, ring a bell. No, it doesn't. We will invest. You sure you meant
4: to say wide receiver because there are two of them that could have had six figures. But,
3: but you know, one of them was a four star, almost a five star that needed the, to learn how to play like it, and the other was a three star jamar chase Mm -hmm. that mickey brought in um dennis is gonna weigh in we're not talking about the path we're talking about the team that's the differences in in now versus then with just what you required to do while you had to play an extra game at a playoff if you're georgia you also didn't have to play a conference championship game because you didn't you didn't win the um R- remind me here. Did Georgia, Georgia lost? They lost, they lost in the SEC champion. They 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 had to play a conference championship game. They lost and then got to rematch right with Bama a year ago. Correct. So yeah. it didn't it didn't knock them out. You lost your conference title game. You get knocked out. Ninety six Nebraska. They don't <clears throat> screw up against Texas. Is playing for a third straight. so there's that. Uh, Brian is wondering about Chris's phone call. Uh, who's the delusional caller talking about four and five star recruits? Someone call the institution.
1: Well, no, I, don't, I don't think we should call them delusional because no, it, it I, is fair to, to look across the college football landscape and say why are there freshmen getting significant snaps at these other places and it's not happening at Nebraska? And I think it comes down to a recruiting misses and b the talent that you have on the field around the freshman. If Nebraska has talent on the field, I think mm-hmm. you'd feel more comfortable. You putting absolutely the can drop them in.
3: Yeah, but. What's the level of talent? How how college-ready are they? Mm-hmm. And that's that's just it.
1: I mean, we had a guy in Ernest Houseman this year go make significant plays Big for time Nebraska. That's in the Indiana vision. A guy that, as the season goes on, gets better and gets a bigger
3: role. Hale Varsity winds down next.
2: Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the re- we're on call for you. Catch the podcast at hailvarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio.
3: Good stuff today. Get the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Uh, fun debate and sound quasi civil discussion here on 9495 Nebraska v. Georgia. And appreciate your input and phone calls. Uh, Interesting, uh, with uh, Matt's email, he reminded me that with instant replay, Nebraska does have three championships in a row. The 93 uh, Florida State game, then the 94 Orange Bowl with the the fumbles and the clips and all of that. uh, Then presumably you still beat Miami in Miami. And then... uh, you beat Florida, so you have your Florida sweep. Well, we'll see if Georgia can do it, because
1: they got an easy path to the college football playoff. And I don't want back to say back-to-back-to-back, says so shoo-in, but with that schedule, they're well on their way to another college football playoff next season. I think you can already pencil that one in as being one of your teams. Well, w- so. we'll
3: finally get Georgia-Michigan, assuming Harbaugh doesn't head off to Donkey Land. We'll see about that. But uh, you want to talk about Kirby Smart and being a master motivator? Pink. This was, this this was out on bar stool. It has been edited so we keep our jobs.
1: And I, I'm just wondering, what does Nebraska do in 94, 95 with a pregame speech like this?
2: Trust your, Trust your brother. Trust yo. yo- it's prepared for this sh for f- 365 days. I think about them f- in that locker room. Think about getting our opportunity. All the sh you went through this week to get ready for this game, now is when you pay the f- price. You go out there with energy, enthusiasm, take hey, out. Ain't nobody in this room should be cautious. Ain't nobody in this room should be nervous about f- Go out here and f their ass f- up! Don't yeah. think about scoreboard. No, Don't think yeah. about sh- You think about knocking the sh- out of us. Did you hear what Box said on Monday? When well, I sat in that f- meeting, I wanted to go f- play right then. Do your s f- up out here. <laughs> Rod Joy tells me you f- these guys up. you go play the right way. You play the right way. You knock that off. You stay off the f- ground. You tackle the f- man with a ball. The sh- is easy. Look the right. Sh- punish the right sh- offensive and kick the sh- on special teams, guys. It's about who the sh- we are. I believe in you.
3: Let's go. Hey. You? Take a knee and let's pray. <laughs> that's that's like the that scene in awesome. Happy Gilmore. Is is what it was. That was like Scarface. Uh, how many you can fit in there in Joe, sixty seconds? Joe Pesci had seventy six in a two minute and thirteen seconds stint in Casino. See, see, this is giving it a run for its money. Reminder to get buckled up. Seatbelt saves lives uh, and prevents injuries only if properly worn. Uh, Buckle up. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Fellas, are we smiling around 10 o'clock tonight if you like Nebraska basketball? Illinois, minus four and a half.
1: I I personally... I was a betting man, and there's no steak and a beer on the line tonight because uh, you and I swept that last night over Connor, so Connor, I think, owes us both a steak and a beer. <laughs>
3: Connor's going to stay in Chicago. Oh, <laughs> having Wi-Fi issue. Connor, if you want to go double or nothing, I guess uh, we can open up tonight.
1: <laughs> uh, I, Nebraska money line. Honestly, Nebraska to win this one straight up. Give me the Huskers 71, Illinois 67. What's
3: the what's the bump money line? What's What, what does it do for you, Oddwise. Last night, if you took TCU, and they would have won and with the upset. The money line was 4-1, to one, the buyout. I believe...
1: Let's do some quick math in my head I think this would be one and a half to one, Okay, I think.
3: I think uh, Illinois does it, and I just think they're too physical. Uh, it's not that Nebraska is bad or not, not a, a team you can root for. I just don't think – I think Illinois may have righted the ship in, in, the, in the right time, and they'll figure it out. Their guard play is going to be the difference. Uh, give me the Illini 72-65. Connor, real quick. Huskers 65-60. Let's go home happy. Look at that. Tomorrow at 4. Talk to you then on Hail Varsity.
1: A Huda Media Production.